welcome to If Cage Wells Could Talk, your weekly heart-to-heart on all things animals. My name is Jody Whitaker, and I am the founder and executive director of the Chicago Alliance for Animals, the Partnership to Ban Horse Carriages Worldwide, and the Center for Ethical Science. This show was created and brought to you by my all-grassroots volunteer organizations working to liberate animals from suffering and pain. I'm so excited to introduce my guest today. Um, I have known about uh, her for a long time, and um, I'm just she's a hero of mine, and I want to quickly read her bio. Jill Robinson is the founder and CEO of Animals Asia. Jill Robinson, MBE, Dr. Med Vet HC, has been a pioneer of animal welfare in Asia since 1985 and is widely recognized as the world's leading expert on the cruel bear bile industry, having campaigned against it since 1993. Born in the UK, Jill Robinson arrived in Hong Kong in 1985 and spent 12 years working in Asia as a consultant for the International Fund for Animal Welfare. Repeatedly faced with scenes of widespread animal cruelty, Jill founded Dr. Dog in Hong Kong in 1991, the first animal therapy program in Asia. This groundbreaking initiative introduced the concept of change through empathy, the belief that empathy for one animal can evolve into empathy for an entire species and ultimately for all species. More than 1,000 dogs have qualified as therapy dogs since Jill started Dr. Dog, and today over 250 dogs make regular visits to hospitals, disabled centers, schools, and elderly homes in 10 cities across Asia, spreading warmth and love to people in need while promoting companion animals as our friends and helpers. In 1993, a visit to a bear farm in southern China changed Jill's life exposing the plight of endangered Asiatic black bears, also known as moon bears, cruelly farmed for their bile, and learning how easily herbs and synthetics could replace bear bile. Jill embarked on a journey to end the practice of bear bear farming once and for all. In 1998, she founded Animals Asia, an organization that is devoted to ending the painful practice of bear bile farming and improving the welfare of animals in China and Vietnam, by promoting compassion and respect for all animals and working to bring about long-term change. I could probably keep reading. There's so much to read about Jill and what her work, but uh, I'm going to get into the interview so she can tell us herself. Thank you so much, Jill, and welcome. Hello, Judy. Nice to be here. Join you. Well, uh, thank you very much for your time. I know that uh, how busy you are. Uh, but we really appreciate you coming on today and telling us about uh, the um, outstanding work you have done for uh, the last few decades. So um, before I start asking questions, I just really quickly want to tell you the first time I read about bear bio, the bear bile industry, and I don't remember when this was, um, it haunted me for months. Uh, I I could not get it out of my head. It was always there. And uh, I tried to get all the crying out this morning and prior to this interview. And just talking about it makes me so sad. But um, that's how important this is to to me and uh, how much I appreciate what you do. So tell our listeners, uh, what exactly is bear bile farming and why? Uh, What is its historical background? Um, well, bear farming really began in the early 1980s in an attempt to save the wild populations of bears in Asia from being killed for their whole gallbladders for use in traditional medicine. Um, but it was perhaps a, a well-intentioned initiative, um, but with really... Um, a horrible outcome for the bears, of course, as thousands of bears are caged across the Asia continent um, and uh, either surgically mutilated or have long needles inserted into their gallbladders so that their bile can be extracted and this is then used in traditional Asian medicine. Um, I think a lot of your listeners will be 
rather surprised to know that what we've found throughout these years is that bare bile actually does work. Um, it contains a very essential acid called ursodeoxycholic acid or UDCA, which can be used in traditional medicine terms to um, bring down high temperatures, high fevers, uh, help red and sore eyes, even cure chronic chronic liver complaints but again it can be easily and cheaply replaced by herbs and by synthetics that do the job just as as easily and perhaps even more effectively considering that so many uh, bears are dying from disease as a result of uh, the methods of bile extraction right and and if we can do it through synthetics and through herbs and without harming and keeping these animals in cages, uh, we should be doing so. And uh, that's what you're working on and educating the public about. So uh, could you please share your inspiration behind the establishment of Animals Asia and tell us about Hong? Oh my goodness, yeah, Hong was a was a bear, and this was many, many years ago, Jodie, in 1993, when I was researching the industry, and I had a friend of mine who's a journalist call me and say that he'd just come back from one of these notorious bear bar farms, and I should really go over and have a look. So I grabbed a couple of chums. We went over uh, into mainland China from Hong Kong, where uh, our office base, or where I lived in Hong Kong, um, and goodness, we joined a tour group of Japanese and Taiwanese tourists um, and walked on to this bear bar farm. Um, and as the, the bear farm owner was trying to encourage everyone to, bear, to buy bear bile in a little shop, um, we snuck away from the group and we went downstairs into a basement and we found what I can only describe as my own living hell um, with bears incarcerated in tiny wire cages um, and with a whole catalogue of injuries to their bodies. Um, and as I walked around that awful basement, um, I, I I just remember being so overwhelmed with shock and, and, I, and it was quite dark in the room as well. Um, and at one point I must have backed too closely into a into a cage and I felt something touch my shoulder. I turned around in shock um, and there was a female moon bear with her paw stretched through the bars of the cage. And at that point, I must have lost all sense and and just, you know, everything was, was screaming. I, I guess it, it, it's just so difficult to explain now because just this, this, this fissure of shock going through my body, but her paw was there. I just felt at the time that it was the most... Um, was the most appropriate thing just to hold her paw and she didn't hurt me as she should have done she just squeezed my fingers and we looked you know eye to eye um and and the message was very clear from this bear um and i left the farm knowing that i probably would never see her again and i never did but i left the farm knowing that that one bear had started everything and that my whole life would change. And it did, did change. And from that second, um, from that second, you know, the dream of the China bear rescue was born. The dream of helping these bears across Asia was born. And, and here we are now with um, over 680 bears rescued since then. And I never did see that one bear ever again. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I mean, the story is so hard, but, and like you said, she could have harmed you. She could have ripped your hand off, you know, she probably, yeah. had, if she'd had the strength, but she knew she, I mean, I believe she knew you were there to, you had the compassion. Well, you know, it's something that, I mean, we have protocols on protocols, Jody, today after rescuing nearly 700 bears. And of course it's a hands-off protocol. You would never never touch the paw of a bear after you you know during a rescue after a rescue um but i and to this day i can't quite comprehend because you, you know you we, we see these bears so aggressive rightly so because they've only ever 
come to harm at the hands of human human beings. Um, but why this bear just didn't rip my arm from my shoulders? You know why she didn't hurt me? I will never, never know. And and I just guess that it's one of those messages we we receive in life. Mm -hmm. um, and and yeah, and that one bear was responsible for everything that we we are today at Animals Asia. Literally everything for the founding of Animals Asia, for all the projects we we have to help bears, to help cats and dogs in captivity, to help uh, you know uh, wild species in zoos across Asia. She, it's all down to one bear called Hong. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for that. Um... How many, uh, well, actually, can you tell us about crush cages and describe them? Well, there are many sizes of cages on bear farms that we've seen across Asia. And some of them are so tiny and have a gate that crushes the bears into immobility so that the bears can hardly move. They can't stand up. They can't sit. They can hardly turn over. And then there are other cages that are uh, at least allow the bears to stand, um, but but and and sort of walk around in circles, but pretty much nothing else. And the bears can with with withstand and can, they can endure being in these cages for anything up to twenty or thirty years of their life. At the same time, while having their bile extracted through a variety of methods. But what I want to say is that every bear that we've rescued, every bear in what we have now is three sanctuaries in China and Vietnam, every single bear will die as a result of bear bile farming. Meaning that because of what happened to them by, uh, by having their bile stolen from them, that is why they will die? Exactly that. I mean, you know, the bears that we receive, we rescue and receive, we call them our broken bears because they have such a horrible catalogue of diseases and problems. So, you know, they can have um, heart problems. They have mobility problems because they're not, of course, moving their limbs as they would in the wild. Um, the heart problems are very often down to stress, and this causes a ripple effect into, you know, dilated aortas, into eye problems again because of stress. Um, they have so many cancers um, that we found. Um, liver cancer being the the main the main disease, but other cancers too. Um, they have a lot of stress-related illnesses. Um, gosh, they have, I, I, I mean, it, it, the list just goes on and on and on. And uh, as I say, every one of these issues will be an issue that finally uh, sees the end of their life. You know, so the mobility issues, although we can provide the, the help and the medication, even the physiotherapy that they need, and they do go on to live long and happy lives. You know, we obviously have an incredible vet team in both China and Vietnam. Um, and what they don't know about the consequences of bear bar farming, you could write on a postage stamp. But at the end of the day, um, there comes a point when we all get together as a team and, you know, reluctantly realize that there is literally nothing else that we can do and the kindest thing is to gently say goodbye through euthanasia humane euthanasia mm -hmm. and is part of the reason is it is there a reason that they keep these in these t these bears in such tiny cages do they want them is that part of why the bile is or why they believe the bile is powerful because they don't they can't move uh, a lot or um, could you no, elaborate no, on it's, that? It's literally just to immobilize them, Jody. It's just so that by keeping them in cages, they can obviously, um, you know, extract the bile. So, for example, in Vietnam, 
they uh, anesthetize them with an illegal drug called ketamine. Um, and once the bear is, you know, so to do that, they need the bear to be close at, fir close at first hand with them. Otherwise, mm -hmm. they're, they're, if they're in an enclosure or in, their, in an outside area, they're never going to encourage those bears to come in for something that is so inherently painful to their bodies. Right. So, you know, keeping them in cages, of course, is just convenient for those that are trying to extract their bile. Um, so, you know, even after we've rescued them, you know, it, it's just, again, you look at these bears and you, you know, I think the question that, you know, all of our vet team and our bear managers in both countries are asking is, is, you know, first of all, what are the physical and psychological issues? What are we dealing with how, here and how can we help you? Talking to the bear, of course. And so is the actual, I think I know this, but is the actual extraction of the bile very painful for the bears? Yes, it would be, of course. It, yeah. As I said, in, inherently painful um, because it's it's invasive. You know, mm -hmm. it's going into the abdomen and it's going into the gallbladder. Um, so if we imagine how that would feel in our own bodies, for example, you know, having having a gallbladder and having our, our own bile extracted. Um, and it would be, you know, something that would be would have to be done under extremely sterile conditions, of course. And, you know, for us as a human under under anesthetic as well. But mm -hmm. the bears, you know, they in Vietnam, they have an anesthetic. But again, it is so crude. And all the while, you know, the farmers are using um, an ultrasound machine. So even though the, the bear is unconscious, the farmer is trying to locate the gallbladder by an ultrasound machine and he's just stabbing into the organs with a six inch spinal needle to extract that bile. So throughout that time, he's, he's, you know, he's going into the liver, he's going into the spleen, he's going into the kidneys, the intestines. And then finally, when he's sure he may have reached the gallbladder, he'll take the needle out of the sheath. He'll lick it to ensure that he's reached the bitter tasting bile, put the needle back and then extract about 100 mil of bile. Now, again, I, I think I need to say at this point that in Vietnam, Bear farming is thankfully illegal. So these farmers, if they are engaging in this practice now, they are operating under illegal conditions. And I think that's the joy of our whole uh, project and our campaign in Vietnam is that we finally have the agreement from the Vietnam government. We are the only um, organization to have signed an official memorandum with the Vietnam government to end bear bar farming once and for all and now to end the industry by 2026. So it is on its way out and it's a huge celebration after years and years of work by Animals Asia. Hallelujah. That is, I can't tell you how happy that makes me. And then, so it's officially illegal in Vietnam. Is it illegal yet in China? No, it's still a legal industry. But again, we have been working there for decades now um, and on programs that not just um, help to protect bears on farms, but of course, protect bears in the wild. Um, so I can go through, you know, we're working on, for example, human bear conflict mitigation where bears are coming in to human habited areas. And these are programs that protect both the bears and the people in those rural areas as well to protect both humans and animals alike. Um, so it's a it's a longer um, game, I guess, a longer project in China, but we have to take great encouragement, I think, from signing on the dotted line in Vietnam, from seeing the Vietnam government so sincere in their enthusiasm to end bear bar farming once and for all. And, you know, also that we acknowledge that these herbs and the synthetic alternatives are being increasingly promoted across Asia to take the place of natural bear bile. That is great. And so how many bears would you say are currently held in bile farms throughout Asia and, and how many bile farms are left? Yeah, there are still thousands of bears that are being incarcerated, um, especially in China. In Vietnam, it's a happier story. There's less than 300 in the country. Um, in Laos, there's probably less than 100 as there are in Myanmar and about 300 in South Korea. 
Um, so as I say again, the industry is absolutely um, dying out. Um, and even in China, you know, we are very cognizant of the fact that there is a new synthetic product that is being manufactured right now, as I'm talking with you, called biotransformed bile, which is literally a synthetic bile and is the mirror image of bare bile. So now there is no longer the excuse to say that bare bile can't be replaced in traditional medicine because it can, because this mirror image replicates bare bile almost 100%. Um, and we hope that like um, other substances like musk, uh, musk from the musk deer or tiger bone, you know, where these, um, th it's now illegal to sell these, um, these substances, that bare bile will go the same way um, in China and will re replicate the celebration, if you like, in Vietnam, where it's now officially illegal and now coming to an end. That, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, so those other products that you'd mentioned, the tiger uh, bone, that those are illegal products. Right, exactly. Oh, so how is Animals Asia working to end this uh, centuries-old bear bile practice and working with stakeholders, uh, traditional medicine practi practitioners, the government, and the actual bile farmers to end end it? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, let me say that this is a real celebration in Vietnam because it's very much part and parcel of the holistic approach that Animals Asia is is known for, actually, in China and Vietnam, um, because it's not just enough to rescue bears, even though, again, it's our joy to do that. But, you know, to have bear farming end, it's got to stay end, and that means bringing the community along with us, together with the government as well. So we work with um, children, for example, growing the herbal alternatives in schools across the country. We've got over 30 um, herbal gardens now that have sprung up. Um, and of course, these children, uh, many of them have parents who are bare bile farmers. So they can see immediately the contrast between when they go home in the evenings and see the bears in cages on the farms owned by their parents. And when they come along to our sanctuary in, uh, in the north of, of uh, Vietnam and see bears rolling around with their friends, playing in pools, um, happy, healthy animals that have been rescued from the industry. Um, we also work with the traditional medicine community uh, where they have free clinics for people to go along who would otherwise have bought bear bile before and are now encouraged to buy the herbal alternatives. And in fact, the we have come out with a, a company called Cocoon to actually produce a topical cream, a cream that can be used um, as an alternative to real bear bile. And we've done our surveys and the cream is immensely popular now within the community too. Um, we work, of course, with the government. Nothing can be done without the government to, again, you know, stand on that platform of talking about bear farming ending and exactly when it will end. Um, we work with celebrities across the country. We work with the media. We even work now holistically with the bear bile farmers. Um, when we had the press conference the other week, we had a bear bile farmer come along who spoke about the way he feels released to be giving up his bears. And so this is a, a wow. program where even the bear farmers are celebrated for having the integrity of giving up their bears. They're not criticised. They're not have, they don't have the finger pointed at them. Um, it's something that people are encouraged to come along on this journey of helping Vietnam's endangered species of bears. That's so wonderful. And uh, I see how important it is to work with them instead of, uh, you know, making them feel guilty for, for what has been done. But it's all about education and bringing them along on this humane, humane trip, if you will. Mm -hmm. Exactly that. Jody. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us about your three sanctuaries and the recently inaugurated sanctuary in Vietnam? 
Yeah, I mean, someone, you know, many, many years ago came along and said that our sanctuaries were food for the soul, and I can't put it any mm -hmm. better than that, um, because they are, you know, they're in fact much more than a sanctuary, although that in itself is a is an absolute celebration, you know. The, the bears, when they come in, as I say, they are physically and psychologically broken, um, and it's our job. And our vet, our incredible veterinary team in both countries, um, job to repair those bears as well. So, um, you know, very often they need their gallbladders removed. Uh, they obviously, I think, something like a, a good eighty or ninety percent of them are on medication to help them, um, and they're leading perfectly happy, normal, healthy lives now. Um, it's the, 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 the sanctuaries themselves are also basically teaching hospitals too. And again, in Vietnam, I really want to celebrate what our team are doing there, um, working with the veterinary community, because we have now had six veterinary interns pass through our doors and qualify as junior veterinary surgeons. And in fact, our four latest veterinary surgeons are the, the vets that are working at our new sanctuary in Bachman National Park in the middle of the country um, as junior vets. And within the next five years, every single one of our colleagues will be um, our Vietnam colleagues. So it's something, again, that we are, are you know, showing as a sense of pride in the country of Vietnam that the whole sanctuary will be run by our Vietnam colleagues. Wow. Um, our, our, I know, it's just amazing. And our bear managers as well are doing phenomenal things in terms of physiotherapy for the bears. They're also engaging in something, you know, our team, apart from doing the surgeries and you know, all the health checks and making sure our bears are happy and healthy. But they're also carrying out something called cooperative care, where the bears are just being encouraged to engage in their own care. For example, having their blood taken consciously, having their blood pressure taken consciously, um, asking them to open their mouths to show us their teeth, so that instead of having to use anesthetics all the time, um, you know, for, for all these procedures, we can have the bears engage in this care for themselves and they can choose to leave at any time that they like. This is obviously between the bars of their den area with our team working outside, but through those den bars, the bears are allowing our team to be able to perform procedures that previously they performed through anesthetics and now they no longer have to, which is obviously safer for the bears. It allows the bears to go back out into their enclosures within seconds after these procedures. Um, and it allows us to perform those procedures more uh, routinely and regularly as well as a result. So the, the bears are communicating with the staff and I'm guessing there's treats and uh, <laughs> uh, other positive rewards, and you know, to help them uh, to communicate and, and allow yeah. them allow yeah. the caretakers to perform these procedures uh, exactly safely. That. Even even stethoscopes on hearts. I mean, all of this is just phenomenal to watch. And you're right, Jodie, at the heart of this is treats, yummy, <laughs> yummy things that they absolutely adore. But again, as I say, you know, to actually ask a bear, you know, to put the sleeve, sorry, their paws and their arms willingly into a sleeve for, for blood draws, which involves, of course, a syringe into the skin, you know, or having portable x-rays taken or having blood pressures with a cuff on their arms. You know, these are all things that could bring them slightly out of their comfort zone, but with good, good patients and with lots of treats, our team have absolutely nailed it. And it's a joy to watch the complete trust between the bears and our team members, you know, and especially I've got to pay tribute to Sarah and her team um, in Vietnam, just 
overseeing this whole procedure um, and to, you know, Twee in Vietnam, uh, sorry, in Bakmar National Park as well, the other sanctuary there. It's incredible to watch this and you can find it, you know, on the um, social networks. We've got a YouTube account where you can see some of these practices in process. Wow, that's extraordinary. And I, I mean, I just feel like they are, they finally realized that they are in a safe place and that they were saved from yeah. this horrific industry. Yeah, they do. They're bright, they're curious, they're trusting, they're energetic, they're playful. They're everything bears should be, you know, and, mm -hmm. and once they're integrated with their friends as well outside in those enclosures, again, it's it's just an absolute joy to watch that, um, you know, integration, that interaction for the first time in their lives, something they would never, never have enjoyed on the Bear Bar Farms. Um, so, again, it's a tribute to our teams, both in China and Vietnam, that bears are behaving like bears for the first time ever. That's so great. And I watched uh, I watched Moon Bear Homecoming mm -hmm. uh, prepare, to prepare for this. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about Bar Barrack and Otter? Oh, Barrack and Otter. Oh, Barrack. Well, <laughs> Yeah, I'm afraid Barack has since passed since that, mm. but he did. He had, you know, months of tender, loving care and joy outside in the enclosure with his best friend, Derek, uh, who Ricky Gervais, we, we named for, for his uh, program. That, that Ricky Gervais, Ricky Gervais <laughs> was very, was, was, is famous for. Um, and I mean, gosh, they again, they had just a catalogue of issues. Um, you know, Otter as well had had seizures as a result of the bear farming industry. Um, what this industry does to their bodies is indescribable sometimes. But again, what our team can do to repair those broken bodies is also indescribable. And when you see a bear doing a somersault and then, you know, we, we laugh at that and they look up and they look <laughs> over at us and they realize that we're enjoying that very thing that they've just done and they will often repeat it because they're showing <laughs> off they're showing off to you know people like us watching them look what um, i can do <laughs> absolutely we had a bear called tuffy that was in the swimming pool and was just launching himself into the water time and time and time again just throwing his body into the water um and that went viral on youtube as well it was just amazing <laughs> i think i saw that, that. Yeah, that sounds yeah. familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've got, you know, young, middle and elderly bears just forgetting their past trauma and, and enjoying their days. You know, our oldest bear in China is a bear called Hong, not related to the bear that I first saw on that bear bar farm. But he must be in his mid 30s. He's a raggedy old scruffy bear um, <laughs> that, you know, that I first saw in 1993, you know, when I was we were, uh, you know, sorry, when I was looking at other Bevar Farms, and today, again, he's got to be in his mid-30s and just plodding around the sanctuary as if he owns it. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's indescribable to, <laughs> to articulate not only the joy that the bears have from living their natural life with choices now, but the joy that our staff and our supporters across the world have from watching them do that. And how long can they typically a uh, bear a moon bear live? Thirty ish years? Yep, yep. Anything up to thirty years or more. Okay. Um, you know, and so again we can keep them through to their natural lifespan, God willing. Um just with with good medication and good care and good nutrition and as I said even with things like physiotherapy to deal with their mobility issues as well, which in itself is a wonder to watch. Um, and they and they're quite different, quite quite different to how they arrived. And I'm sure the the simple joy of being out of those cages gives them just such a will to live as long as they can, even despite the pain that they probably still have, and all the medical issues that you've described. Right. Right. I mean, it, it's just remarkable. You know, when you first bring them in, 
and you're giving them food that they've never had before and you see them using their paws like dinner plates they'll gently take a piece of food and put it on their paw and then sniff it and check it out maybe pick at it a little bit with their claws until finally they're satisfied that it's okay to eat and then they'll relish it with all the joy of an animal that's never tasted anything so good in their life it's just a wondrous journey for the bears and for our teams and for our supporters alike as well. And we learn so much from those bears as well, you know, and they teach us so much. So we're in incredibly lucky and privileged to be working with this species. We're very uh, lucky to have you and your t- your team and all your staff to do this work. I just have to mention that I also watched the video of Greer and David and... <laughs> Just the two of them just, I mean, I was watching it and it reminded me of my cats, just mm-hmm. rolling and playing and wrestling and, and that's how it should be. Exactly. Uh, that's, I was, the, that's the, the, isn't it? The, the sort of end game, if you like, for, and, and something that we know we've done our job right when you see them and then they look up and they see, you know, people outside their enclosure and they're not frightened to run back into the dens because they just don't know what's going to happen next. They are they are fully trusting and and confident in their new lives that they don't have to worry a single jot about what's going to happen next except good things. They are lucky, the lucky ones. And uh so I believe you said uh, Animals Asia has saved more than or nearly 700 bears. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it is. It is. And each one is different. Every bear is different. Uh-huh. And I think, again, that's the, the joy of working with this species. They, they do teach us a lot and, and we can go on to help bears in a better way as a result of that, of, of learning so much. And I know the moon and sun bears are classified as vulnerable to extinction, and Vietnam's Asia, Asiatic black bear population faces the most severe decline on record. Um, how is Animals Asia, do you work with government officials on these issues, and how can you work with them without bringing, you know, obviously without bringing back bear biofarms, but to... To, right. re, is there a way to rewild um, these well, bears? Yeah, I mean, even the IUCN, the International Union for the Conservation of Nature, has weighed in on this and said that the best way to conserve bears uh, in the wild is to reduce the demand and end the demand for bear bile. And that's exactly what we're doing. Because as I said at the beginning, you know, it's all very well to rescue bears and we love doing that. But for bear farming to, you know, to end, it has to stay <clears throat> stay ended long into the future. So it's why our programs across the board, you know, with public education, with celebrity support, working intensively with the government, why it's so important to continue these now over the next years. They don't just stop because bear farming is going to end by 2026. We just have to keep on and on to ensure that it stays ended through these programs. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And at the end, I'd like you to ta- tell us a little bit about um, what we can do as as members of the public uh, to help help end this industry that sh- needs to end. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I yeah. want to segue real quickly uh, about Dr. Dog and your, uh, I believe what you worked on before the bear bile, the, uh, the dog therapy program, is that still going? It is, Jodie, oh. it's lovely. And this is really showing the power of animal therapy through our very best friends, um, dogs, and it's especially successful. Um, it, of course, across Asia, but especially in Hong Kong and China, where dogs go into hospitals and disabled centers and home for, homes for the blind, the elderly, the sick. Um, and just give people, I think, what they really need when they're feeling down and feeling under the weather 
uh, is that best friend that gives that unconditional love that we all know and associate with dogs. Um, and it's just gone community wide now um, where dogs are really recognized increasingly as our friends and not food. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, especially now that in China, um, dogs and by default cats have been taken off the livestock list. So it is now illegal to sell dogs and cats for their meat in the country. And this is going to take time. It's not going to end overnight. But again, how wonderful to be having dogs in the community, in hospitals. Now, another program called Professor Paws, where dogs go into schools and help to teach children with reading disabilities is so to have people connect more and more with dogs in the community as again they've been taken off the livestock list of the country as well and are becoming more and more recognized as you know animals that can really really be beneficial for our physical and our psychological health wow i did not know that they were taken off the livestock livestock list and so it is now illegal to I know, it's, like you said, it's not happening overnight, but it's illegal to uh, eat dogs and cats in China or all of Asia? It's, it's illegal to sell dogs and cats for their food. It's okay. not illegal to eat dogs in China yet. Okay. Um, but actually what that means is that, you know, things like restaurants and slaughterhouses um, and, you know, markets, they can't sell dogs. They're not allowed. It's illegal to sell dogs mm -hmm. and cats for food. So, uh, you know, if, if someone has their own dog and wanted to kill their own dog and eat it, that wouldn't be illegal, but that's not going to bring huge profit into the community. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the point is that, that taking, taking these animals off the livestock list is a very, very good step forward. Um, right. Not just to protecting the dogs and cats, but also protecting the spread of disease, especially rabies across China as well, because we do know that the cross-border transport of these animals is a perfect vector for bacterial transmission. So, you know, the fact that they've done this is a really good first step. And this is our role to continue working with the government and communities and the local non-government organisations into really... Um, enhancing the reputation of dogs and cats in our community. That's huge. Uh, it's huge to show that and to, to teach the children, the young people in, in this, in Asia, that, uh, that dogs can be our companions and, and show them how loving they are as opposed to food. So that is a big step. And thank you for all you're doing to, to help with that and that's in, in addition to the the work with the bears and uh i know you've been honored with around 30 awards it's pretty pretty amazing and outstanding uh, one for example uh, you were awarded the member of the order of the british empire by queen elizabeth in 1998. Uh, i know you are, don't don't do this work for any sort of awards or kudos but uh that sounds pretty impressive being awarded by the queen. <laughs> uh, well, it, I mean, it was wonderful to meet her. It really was. And uh, it is something you treasure, but it's not, you know, you know, on the radar of importance. I'm afraid that the work that we're doing in Asia is the important stuff. Sure. You know? uh -huh. And we are just so blessed to have you know, the colleagues um, and staff that we have in Animals Asia, plus our volunteers and plus, you know, supporters across the world to be rolling these programs forward in a way that um, I don't think I ever, ever believed was possible in the early days. And now to see, you know, we've reached two of our founding goals, which is something that I, I honestly believe not many NGOs can boast about. You know, we've ended bear farming in Vietnam and dogs and cats have been taken off the livestock list in China. So, you know, these are something that just gives us all confidence that um, it, it's just immeasurable, you know, and and you know, just good luck willing, we can continue even more in, in these fields and um, and see even more of our founding goals reached. Yeah, yeah, wow. And and hopefully uh, we can help uh, help Animals Asia end the industry in, in China. 
And so what are your uh, future goals to to end it and, and support animal welfare in Asia and globally? Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, we've, we've <laughs> always, <laughs> in 2007, we had a strategic planning process and that process never ends. You know, we, we review and we refresh every year. We have planning meetings. Um, you know, we, we have succession plans. We're always talking as an organization how we can do better. Um, and so, you know, into the future, uh, the core goals never change. You know, we're even helping elephants in Vietnam now, um, rescued from the uh, riding tourism now. So they are Great. no longer ridden by tourists. They, uh, over 14 elephants now, are walking free with choices in the Yokdon National Park. Um, and together with their mahouts as well, I have to say, with their previous keepers, so that again, not just the animals, but people can benefit from our work in Asia as well. So it's more of the same. Um, you know, I just would encourage, please, anyone listening to this, just listen to two words, Animals Asia, and go on to the social networks, go on to Facebook, um, uh, Instagram, of course, uh, X, uh, that old uh, Twitter, um, and of course, YouTube as well. Go and discover us in this journey. And please, please support us because you know, bears are very hungry, very greedy, <laughs> very charismatic <laughs> animals, and they cost a huge amount to care for. But what an amazing thing if people can be part of this journey and part of our founding goals to end bear bar farming once and for all, and also help other animals in this glorious region of Asia where we work. If you can do it in Asia, you know, we can do it in, in any country in the world. So please join us and celebrate the fact that these goals are being reached. I love that. Um, in fact, I, I've told, I've said this many times, and this is, this is not a slam against Asia, but just because of the bear biofarming, the, the cats and dogs, and knowing that they were eaten, I, I've said for years I'll never go to Asia. Um, my ex-boyfriend actually lived in Vietnam for uh, many years, and I never went to visit. I just didn't think I could handle it. Uh, I would oh, be. Oh no! Please, Jody. There's an absolute movement. <laughs> there's a movement of people so passionate. There's like right over four hundred groups in China, animal welfare groups. There's groups, you know, amazing groups in Vietnam as well. And when I said if we could do it in Asia, only because you know there are so few animal welfare regulations compared to other countries, you know, mm -hmm. like the US and the UK that have robust animal welfare laws. Uh, we can do this even. In those countries that don't have those laws purely by working in the right way with the right people on the ground so please please come to asia and enjoy the fact that it's so progressive now in terms of animal welfare it's amazing mm. you won't regret it i would love to and i'd love to visit uh, uh one of your sanctuaries and and see the bears up close it would be amazing and uh and I know beyond, obviously, the natural beauty of Asia, I know it's there. <laughs> I know yeah. how gorgeous it is. Yeah. Uh, so how can uh, how can we help you uh, help rescue bears and uh, and reduce the demand for bear products? Yeah. Um, well, again, please, it's it's all about supporting this organization of Animals Asia. Um, we're pretty desperate, I have to say, because it's not cheap to look after these these animals that we do look after. Um, and it's our commitment, you know, for in the case of the bears, they're 30 plus years lifespan. The elephants, well, you know, you know, anything up to 70 years. Um, so we need to keep on keeping on and we can only do this with your help and your funding to be able to enable us. Um, to progress um, so we're not going anywhere but we hope that you know we hope that that your you know the money in your pockets is going to go somewhere and come to us because we desperately desperately need it to be able to see the successes that we are seeing now um, and uh, and and you know bring out even more projects into the future that will help animals of Asia yes and uh, are there ever petitions or uh, uh officials to reach out to uh anything like that uh, well, on your actually, websites 
Yes, complimentary ones. Again, we're not we're not in the game of doing critic uh, you know criticism of petitions, uh -huh. sure. but ones that actually praise the government officials and thank them and just have people joining us that way as well. So you will see those posted every so often as well. Certainly now thanking the Vietnam government for their integrity in ending bear bar farming once and for all within the next gosh now two two years. So <laughs> it's quite a feat. <laughs> It sure is. And I cannot thank you for your work, uh, for uh, and all of your volunteers and staff and teams. I know uh, it takes a lot of people, but you started it and uh, I am I, very impressed. And uh, um, I'd love to <laughs> I'd love to get this tortoise. I don't know if you know about my campaign to get a uh, spur the tortoise out of her four by six, five by seven ish uh prison where she's been for more than 30 years oh. uh yeah she's a african tortoise that was trafficked to chicagoland and she's been stuck in this pretty much like a bathtub uh with with just uh hay that's all she has she has no enrichment up against a cold window and uh if you can get all these bears out of cages and i want to get one tortoise out of a <laughs> out of oh, a, Jody, her prison good, good luck Good, good luck. I fostered an, Af I fostered an African spur tortoise for years, uh -huh. um, a Solcata, right? And Yep, and she's they, a Solcata. Yeah, they're amazing. So I have huge sympathy and huge respect for you, and I wish you huge success, Jody. Thank you so much. So thank you again. <laughs> Sorry. And uh, I really appreciate all your work, and uh, please check out uh, Animals Asia's social media pages and websites for more on how you can help and support their amazing work. Thank you again, Jill. Bless you, Jody. Good luck with everything. And thank you. Okay, so I lost it again. <laughs> oh, bless you. Well, we often say with the bears, they're worth all of our tears, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. All well, right. come and see us, Jody. Come and I'd just, love to. You know, and you will do nothing but laugh. So you know. <laughs> That's what I need. Okay, yeah. take care and happy holidays to you. You take care too and happy holidays. Yeah, big okay. bear hugs to you, Jody. And thank and you, Henry, you. for all your help. <laughs> okay, bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, so I'm going to uh, end with a quote by Tom Regan. Uh, being kind to animals is not enough. Avoiding cruelty is not enough. Housing animals in more comfortable, larger cages is not enough. Whether we exploit animals to eat, to wear, to entertain us, or to learn, the truth of animal rights requires empty cages, not larger cages. So, sorry about that, but this is Jody Whitaker, the Chicago Alliance for Animals. It's hard to think about what those bears go through. So we'll keep fighting to help Jill and Animals Asia free these bears. Thank you for listening. And uh, I hope you have a very safe and healthy and happy holiday season, whatever you celebrate. Thank you again. And hopefully you'll tune in next Saturday. Bye-bye. <laughs> I wonder if I should do that over. <laughs> <laughs>